And it's great to be able to welcome Chris. Chris, come and join me this morning. Um, if you've never meet, seen or met Chris before, this is Chris Duffett. And it's our joy to be able to, to welcome Chris this morning. Chris is a former president of the Baptist Union of Great Britain. Uh, that great uh, title, um, uh, which I know you came and spoke to me whilst you were at college in your president year, and it was a real blessing. Um, so I, I've, been, I've benefited from Chris's uh, input over the time. Chris is also the co-principal uh, of the Light College, which I know you've got some information about on your church. And the significant thing with the Light College is it's where Kimberly is currently doing some training as she uh, uh, trains and support as she works with us as our church. And I know she loves her time with Chris and the team at the Light College as well. Chris is also an artist. You've got some pictures of his art there and I'm sure he'll tell you a bit more about that later as well. But also, and I think this is the fundamental thing for it all, Chris, is you're an evangelist with a passion for sharing the good news of Jesus with the world around you. And so it's a pleasure to have you with us this morning. Thank, Thank you so you. much for coming to share. Um, let me pray for you okay. and then uh, we'll let you um, share what God's um, laid on your heart. Father God, we thank you for Chris, we thank you for who he is, for the many gifts that you have given to him, for the passion that you've laid on his heart for you and for people to know you as their Lord and your God. And as uh, he comes and as he shares with us this morning, we just pray that you would bless him, uh, that you would speak through him, give us open minds and hearts to hear not just Chris's words, but what you might be saying to us through Chris this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, what a welcome. So lovely. Lovely to, uh, to meet you all this morning. Uh, usually people get in a bit of a pickle when they introduce me because my name's Chris Duffett and they introduce me as Chris Dufay, which this is nice and posh, isn't it, really? Uh, or Chris Duffer. If you do think that we've met before but we haven't, I'm not Mr. Tumble. Just, uh, <laughs> just to reassure you, uh, often people do think that I am Mr. Tumble. Uh, it, seriously, they do. Um, now, we train people. So the Light College, we train people, and you might think, hang on, is it just whippersnappers like Kimberly who we train? Do, do you mind me calling you a whippersnapper? <laughs> you know, a couple, a couple of years ago, Wendy graduated with us, and she was our first first-class honours student, BA. Amazing work that she'd done. Some of it was published, and she graduated at the age of 82. So if you think, hang on, could I join this college? I feel a little bit old. <laughs> um, you know, think of Wendy. You don't have to be a, a young'un. Like <laughs> I'm so sorry, Kimberly. I won't embarrass you anymore. <laughs> so what I'd love to do this morning, I would love to encourage you of how Jesus calls us to follow him and to fish. For people. So we're going to look at the calling of the first friends of Jesus and then look at some encouragements as to well, how does that apply for us here, Arbury Road Baptist Church. So if I can have the uh, jolly slides up, that would be, be great. Have you got them? Hopefully you got some. Yee-hee! Here they are. Well done, tech team. You're hidden away, but we love you. There you are. <laughs> So how to bring what we've got to a world that needs it? You know, we're, we're going to learn from the first friends of Jesus. Uh, you know this, right? Most people around you simply haven't got a clue that they are loved by God, that there could be a God. 
And most people simply haven't heard what it means to be a follower of Jesus, let alone what does it mean to be a Baptist or an Anglican or Methodist. You know, they just haven't got a clue. So my passion and passion with the Light College is how do we let others in on what we've got? How do we do that? Not just Matt, Kimberly or me, but every single one of us, regardless of how we feel about our faith and whether we feel strong in our faith or weak in our faith, whether we've known what it means to be a follower of Jesus for years and years, or we're brand new to this, or we're still working it out. I hope that this will be an encouragement to you. Now, before we look at a few encouragements, a little bit about the college. I've mentioned Wendy. Do check us out. You know, if you're thinking, oh, maybe for a friend of mine, or even for yourself, like Kimberly has done, from the professional certificate in pioneer chaplaincy that we run to our BA in theology mission and evangelism. Matt mentioned that I work as an artist. Keep going with the slides. Uh, I'm also a writer, so I love writing. I've written a novel called Philip. He's my hero, a bit like Ananias, I must say, that you heard about last week. Philip, Acts 8, Ananias, Acts 9, and then you've got Peter in Acts 10. They all blow me away, but Philip in Acts 8, wow. I just love what, what he did. There's 23 verses written in the Bible about Philip. I've written 266 pages. So a lot of it's made up. You know, it's, it's a story. Um, and then be, being an artist, I love painting for people. I think there's some other pictures. Keep going. And these are some pictures I did last week at a conference. I was painting in front of 350 uh, Baptist church leaders at a conference uh, and painting what I believed that God may be saying as we uh, were worshipping and meeting together. Uh, there, are, there is a card with some geese uh, on your chair and I'm going to use that as a blessing over you at the end of, of my talk. So let's look at the story from Mark 1. We're just going to look at a few Verses, verses 14 to 20, but wow, it's a powerful story, and I hope it will encourage you. So Mark chapter 1, verses 14 down to 20. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So how do we bring what we've got to a world that needs it? Next slide. Thank you. Great. 
You're doing great. I want to just lay it, just utterly be honest with you. People need what we've got. Who's been to a harvester for brunch before? Have you been to a harvester for brunch? I was in a harvester. I think I was on my 11th course. I'd had the yogurt, and I was now on the boiled eggs. I'd had the toast and the cereal. And uh, we had the place to ourselves. I, I was there with a couple of friends. And uh, we had the place to ourselves until two young women walked in. And I looked, and I saw them. And as soon as I saw them, I had someone's name on my heart for one of the women. And then I thought, oh, how am I going to go and tell her that? Because that's just going to be really strange. You know, imagine having your breakfast and an old guy with a big beard comes up to you and says, hello, I've got someone's name on my heart for you. It'd just be really weird, wouldn't it? It'd just be strange, like, oh. So I thought, I can't, I can't go and tell her. And then I made the mistake and I said to my friends, you know what, I've got someone's name on my heart for one of those girls. And they said, you're going to have to tell her. So I waited until they finished their brekkie and they were paying for their bill at the bar. And I went up to them and I went, hi, <laughs> excuse me, sorry to disturb you. I'm a Baptist minister, a bit like being a vicar, I said, and I've got someone's name on my heart for you. And she looked at me and she went, you what? I said, I know, it's really strange, but... When you walked in, I looked at you, and I've got someone's name on my heart for you, because you know, like, in prayer, I said, she goes, no. I said, you know, like, well, when you pray, you talk to God. I believe God, like, talks to us, and he, like, he gave me this name on my heart for you. And I'm thinking, I hope this is going to make sense. <laughs> so I'm explaining it all to, to this lady. And then she goes, go on then. I go, okay, well, the, the name on my heart for you is Michael. And she goes, oh, how did you know that? I was like, how did I know what? It's just the name I've got my heart for you. I believe God wants you to know that he loves you and he knows you. She went, but that's the name of my dad. The last time I was in here, I was with my dad. We're having breakfast together and he died a couple of weeks ago and I miss him so much. How did you know that name again? So I explained. God, I believe God like, sometimes gives us things so we can tell people and encourage them. He knows you. He loves you. And I'm thinking that they're getting it. And her friend leans on the bar. And she goes, you know what? We need to get down that psychic there. I go, no! No, I'm not psychic. I'm not psychic. This, I believe God knows you. He knows, and he wanted you to know that. She starts crying. I'm like, look, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to make you cry. She goes, no, this is good. I didn't even think there could be a God, she said. She gives me a big hug. She says, thank you. I bless her. I give her something that I've got. I think I've got, like, something from the Bible that I give her. And off she goes, and I go and join my friends. Now, unbeknown to me, before she left, she told the waitress. The waitress comes up to me. She goes, excuse me, you made that young lady cry. I go, yeah, I know. I didn't mean to, but did she tell you why? She goes, she did. And um, she rolled up her sleeves. She goes, and um, I've got goosebumps all over me, she said. Would you pray for me? 
She said, I'd love to pray for you. What, what do you want prayer for? She pours out her heart. She just pours out her heart about her kids, her grandkids. Just pours out her heart, pours out her heart. And before I could even say anything, she says some words, and it was as if God spoke through her. She said, you know what? People like us need people like you. People like us need people like you. However you feel about what you've got, it's good. People need it. The hope, the love that you have, that there is a God who loves you, who knows you. People need what you've got. And this calling of the first friends of Jesus is the same calling on you and on me. So let's look at the first encouragement. The call to follow comes first. Follow me and... You know, it's a call to that childlike adventure. It's a call to follow, to love Jesus first, and the rest will follow. In 1 Peter 3.15, Peter says, be prepared to give the reason for the hope that you've got. But there's a bit at the beginning and a bit at the end that's all about our following. Because Peter says, set apart, set apart, Jesus as Lord in your hearts, in your very core of who you are. Set him apart. Make him Lord. And always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that you've got. And do that with gentleness and respect. Following Jesus starts with that heart devotion and ends with that heart attitude of letting others in. That heart attitude of gentleness and respect. You know, without that passion for Jesus, without that loving him, we can't have a passion for people who don't know him. <laughs> and it's his life in us that then flows out of us. Every single one, regardless how, of how we feel about our faith. I want you just to think for a moment. If you are a Christian this morning, right, the most holy, powerful, kind, compassionate, healing, loving man who has ever lived and who will ever live, he lives in you lives in you by his spirit lives in you that's amazing isn't it <laughs> isn't that incredible so however we feel about whether we could let others know about what we've got he lives in you and he flows from you second encouragement is this he makes in us the ability to have a passion for people, to let others know what we've got. 
That word makes, we read in the scripture, uh, as send or teach. It's from verse 17. And uh, it says, come follow me, Jesus said, I will send you out to fish for people. Now, some versions of the Bible make that as makes. Can I have the next slide? Thank you. That's wonderful. And the makes there, oh, keep going. The makes there, it's so important for us to know that if we can't kind of do this, that's okay because Jesus makes in us. The New Living Translation puts out this. I'll show you. Back again, sorry. Um, the NRSV, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Come follow me and I'll transform you into fishes of men instead of fish. Come with me and I'll teach you. That making in us. You see, when Jesus makes things, it's big and it's good. And you might not feel, oh, I, can't, I can't share what I've got. That's okay. Jesus makes in you. It's a scary thing, isn't it? Sharing our faith with people who don't know what it means to be a Christian. But Jesus makes in us that ability. Just have a think about John 1, Hebrews 1, Colossians 1. Through him all things were made. Jesus makes, makes big things. He makes in us that ability. Thirdly, Oh, keep going. It's the right time. It's the right time. Verse 14. Verse 15. The time has come. The time has come. If that was the right time then, what about now? Now is the right time too. Jesus declares, this is the time. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, the vast majority of people at that time just simply would not have known anything about Jesus and his amazing gift to this world. Well, we're in good company. The vast majority of people around us simply don't know that Jesus is good and he's good news for this world. But we do have a choice. Will you? The time is right, the time is good, but will you? Will you step in to that time? I've written a poem and it's called If We Go, okay? So the choice is If We Go. I wonder if you could help me with this poem. So when you hear me say, if we go where you go, could you shout out, where's that? Is that okay? If we go where you go, where's that? It's not bad, but a little bit more enthusiasm. Should we do that? If we go where you go, where's that? That's better. That's great. Here we go. So if we go. If we go where you go, where do you venture off to, eh? Beckoning me to follow. I see you sitting on the street, a urine-soaked doorway, splitting an egg and mayo sandwich and then sharing yours with the man's dog. Patting and scruffing 
and then being still, placing your scarred, rough hands upon the man's dreadlocked head to bless. And I see addictions flee, hurts blossom to whole trees, and I see a man made new, new identity, not homeless man, but loved man. If we go where you go, where do you venture off to? Hey, beckoning me to follow. I see you knocking on a paint-peeled, knackered door, waiting behind a baby crying and a shouting mum, hassled beyond her limits, trying to hold it together but can't. And I see you gently explain the gifts of nappies and food and shalom, pots of it leaking out through the plastic LD bags. And I see you embrace the little ones, hold them, giggle and laugh. Each wave, goodness comes back, hope is restored, and I see a mum made new, new identity. Not single mum, but loved woman. If we go where you go, where do you venture off to? Eh? Beckoning me to follow, I see you sitting with John, or is that Dave? Or Terry, oh, you know. Your glass of red looks out of place amongst the tall pints and empties. You talk words of purpose and good future. You address the hours of wasted time, hours upon hours of nothingness begin to shape into changing this place for doing and helping and action and, and, and. You open up the possibilities for where there were none you create new. And I see a lonely, alky man made new, new identity. Not boozing bloke, but loved man. If we go where you go, where do you venture off to, eh? Beckoning me to follow. I see you running to the park. Yeah, it's dark and the youth may spark and tell you where to go, yet you know as you say hi and kick that ball back. You ask if you can hang out for a bit and talk about stuff, school and who's it. And I see you with words of destiny flow like a can of Red Bull, nourish and awaken. And I see dignity rise like a hurried flood. Young people stepping into that dance of what can be, of kingdom come, worth and creativity. And I see a teenager made new, new identity. Not troubled youth, but loved person. If we go where you go. Yes, You're doing great, by the way. There's um, 48 verses. No. <laughs> this is the last verse. It's the last verse. If we go where you go. Yes, where do you venture off to a beckoning me to follow? I close my eyes and imagine where you would be, and it's endless. You go where I dare not. Help me to clasp that hand, to step in near and far to those you simply loved. Love, the unembraced, the unknown, the unwealthy, the undone, the unwelcome, the un, 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 un. Make me see people made new. New identity, not just people, but each one loved and loved some more if we go. So the time is right, but we've got a choice. If we choose to follow 
Jesus? Where will he take you? Will he take you to that guy that you see every day selling the big issue or asking for some money? Will he take you where you could offer? Do you want a cup of tea? Would he take you to be available to offer to pray with someone or offer to help someone? Where will he take you? I could talk all day, I won't, of the people that I have met where I have simply followed Jesus into the tattoo piercing parlours, the, to the gambling places, to pubs and clubs. and I could talk all day of the places that I have found myself wondering, what am I doing here? I could talk all day of the, the lives saved, literally, of people on their way to end their lives. Think of Joe, who just bumped into me as I stood on the streets offering some cookies to the chuggers. You know who the chuggers are? You have them in Cambridge, the charity muggers. They want you to sign up. They want and uh, she just bumped into me and said, excuse me, would I be um, welcome in one of your churches? Because I uh, had a, a sweatshirt on saying churches together. I said, yeah, yeah. And I looked at her and went, do you want a brew? She goes, yeah. And we sat as she wept and wept and told us of her careful plan to end her night, end her life that night. Everything she needed in her bag, she, to end her life, she had with her. And I held her hand and I cried and I said, please, um, it doesn't have to be that way. I will always, always, for all my life, remember what she said when she said, I know because I've met you. But what do you mean? She said, well, first off, I'm not even meant to be in town. Second off, I have never, ever approached a stranger before in my life. If we go, if. Lastly, we're not the hired help. I don't know if you spotted that in the story. Jesus says, um, hey, come follow me. He calls out their names. And verse 20 says, without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. You and I are not the hired help. Jesus, later on in John's Gospel, he teaches his first friends. Um, and he says, you know what? You're my friends. You're not my servants. Because servants don't know the master's like, business. <laughs> but you're my friends. And I call you friends. I wonder if you feel a bit like the hired help. Maybe you've been coming along for a little bit here to Arby Road Baptist Church, you think, yeah, I'm not really, not really part of it, not in it, don't really get it, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I believe that Jesus calls each one of us his friends. 
which means we're trusted by him. Every single one of us. Trusted by him. He sees you and trusts. Calls you. He calls you to be someone who changes this world. One by one by one. People need what you've got. Before I left this morning, um, I had to go back because I forgot the poem. <laughs> so I'd only, tr- I'd only travelled five minutes. I was like, oh, I really want to share that poem. So I went and got it. And my wife had put a tin, an empty tin of syrup uh, in my office, which is like a studio. It's messy. Lots of tins and brushes. And, and I love tins. <laughs> so she knew, oh, I'm not going to throw this one away going to put it on Chris's, in Chris's studio. And there it was. Beautiful gift. I love it. It's like, I like putting stones and collecting things. One of these people, if you're, you're on the beach, my pockets are full. You know, I'm like, <gasps> and uh, the house is just full of bits and bobs. I think there's, you know, you can relate to that. If you're a collector of things, you can't help it. Um, well, this tin was, you know, it's that famous green tin. I think it's Tate and Lyle. And it's got, it's got a parable, or not a parable, it's got a, no, it's not, um, it's from, it's from Judges. It's a, it's like a, it's like a puzzle, uh, where, I'm going to get it all wrong now, but, who's the guy with, oh, the guy with long hair in, Samson, Samson, the guy, <laughs> I couldn't relate to him, long hair, just. But Samson, he, he tells the Philistines, doesn't he, this riddle. And it's a riddle because he's seen something. And if you've got a tin of syrup at home, have a look because it's written there. Out of something strong comes something sweet. And Samson, he saw a, a lion that had died and bees had made like a, a, a hive in the, in the lion. So you'd seen it. So I'm looking at this tin, and I'm thinking, oh, what a lovely gift. As I'm driving here, I'm thinking, I wonder if this is important for me to share with someone. (laughs) And I was mulling over that that tin, empty tin of syrup with that little story, out of something strong comes something sweet. And I felt deep within me that I needed to say, if you feel weak, And if you feel bitter, that God wants to meet with you and remind you that he is your strength and he is your sweetness. So, some of you this morning might be here full of disappointment. And bitterness comes from a recurring disappointment. Things haven't turned out the way that we wanted. Things have been bad. Stuff has happened. And we're carrying a real sense of bitterness. And some of you this morning may just feel utterly weak. And I want to pray for you this morning that you would encounter the strength and the sweetness 
come from God. So let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for that call of those guys that were fishing. Ordinary guys doing an ordinary job. And I thank you that that call is for each one of us. And I particularly pray for those of us who've carried such disappointment and feel such a bitterness that you would come to us as sweetness. I pray for those who feel utterly weak. For those of us uh, in our bodies where we feel weak, Lord, would you come and heal us? For those of us who feel weak within our minds, Lord, come and touch us this morning. Come. Holy Spirit, make us strong and make us sweet. Come, Holy Spirit, and remind every one of us this morning that we are loved and we are called. In Jesus' name, amen.